0: Welcome to A Star Witness. Hello, everyone. This is Kayla bringing another episode. And before we get started, let's say a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for loving us and for dying on the cross for us. Lord, there is truly no other friend like you who has our back, who loves us, and who has done everything for us. Lord, we ask that you continue to lead and guide and direct us. Help us to be ready for your soon coming. Help us to To go to you with everything and for everything. We ask all these things in your precious Holy Son's name. Amen. So today I want to talk about true friendship. There are many wonderful verses in the Bible talking about friendship. And I want to go over those first before I get into anything else. First few verses are this. Proverbs 18.24 A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And we see that when we are talking about our savior, but there are people in our lives who this can apply to as well. And if you have people like this in your life, that is so wonderful and cling on to them because it is a wonderful thing to have those true, godly, lovely friends who are there for you, who will lift you up, who will encourage you. No matter who that person is, whether it's family or your friends, because family can be friends too but friends who aren't family also all of those people are important in our lives we need those people to talk to to go back and forth with things on and sometimes it's really hard to find a true friend who you can tell your secrets to who you can open up to them and just really be genuine with them and it can be really hard to stay in those types of friendships because life gets in the way and work and all of these other things and all of the other other excuses time slips by and we lose touch and all of these things but we really should make more of an effort with the people who care about us and who we care about because we all need people in our lives who we can lean on and there is obviously no greater person that we can lean on and show that love and have that friendship with than Jesus and in John 15 13 it says greater love hath no man than this that a man laid down his life for his friends and Jesus did lay down his life for us. And it says also in Proverbs 27, 5, and 6, open rebuke is better than secret love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. That is something to really think about for sure. We have to be careful who we put our trust in, but we also can't stay guarded all the time and allow nobody in our lives because of past hurts or past wrongs. We have to be willing to also forgive because there are people in our lives who might make mistakes and they feel genuinely sorry for the things that they've done. Now forgiveness doesn't always necessarily mean that we have to stay friends with that person especially if they are using you or if they are not being a true friend to you. That doesn't mean you keep them in your life. You can forgive them but sometimes you do have to move on and while that is sad sometimes it is necessary for our health and for our own spiritual well-being too. Some people really just drain the life out of you and also can turn you into a person that you don't really like anymore. It says in Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loveth at all times and a brother is born for adversity. So if you find a person who, after you face adversity together, you are still friends after all that you go through, that is somebody that you want to stay friends with. Proverbs 27, 17 says, iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. We shouldn't have to worry about telling our friend, hey, I noticed that you're doing something wrong here. I just wanted to let you know or show you or study with you about a certain thing that you might be doing that I've noticed. And please don't hesitate to tell me where I've gone wrong too. But too often times when we tell people where they've gone wrong, they view us as being judgmental instead of loving them enough to show them that they're in error. We tell people these things not because we hate them or that we dislike them or are trying to judge them them, but we tell them these things so that they can improve upon themselves and sharpen themselves and so that they are ready for the end times, not because we hate them and are just trying to beat them into obedience. I mean, if you are doing these things because you feel like you have to or, or there's no other option, then we're not doing them for the right reasons. We have to do them because we love the Lord, not because we're afraid of the consequences. And we know that we have to be not conformed to this world but to the world to come which we're told about in Romans 12 too and be not conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We can have that transformation when we are willing to say, okay, yes, I am making a mistake. And when somebody, when somebody points out a character flaw in us, then we have to be willing to sit there and say, hey, am I really like this? Am I needing to change? Lord, help me to change if this is true. Show me how I can improve upon myself. And that is a true friend who is telling you, hey, I love you enough to tell you that you're starting to head off into the wrong path, warning ahead, danger ahead. We don't want somebody to get into an accident on the side of the road. If we see something that's about to happen, we would say, hey, don't cross the street. Otherwise you're gonna get run over, right? We tell these things to people because we care about them, not because we hate them. But sometimes the message can come across in the wrong way. We do have to be careful with our words. That is a whole other topic of conversation but we do have to say things in the right way, in a loving way. And we are told this time and time again. Now I want to read to you from John 15, 11 through 17. It says, These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another, as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth one another. That is such a beautiful thing to know that we are called not servants, but we are called friends, that we are chosen, that we didn't choose him. He chose us and ordained us for a special purpose and says, no, 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 you're not going to be my servants, even though I could very well make you my servants because I'm God of the universe. But no, I'm calling you friends, which means I'm going to tell you all of these things because I love you, because I want you to have love for me and love for one another that way you tell the world of my love show them that I don't just want them to be servants that I want them to be my friend that I love them enough to show them that I am their friend and that is something that we should memorize this verse and tell people about this because too many people think God is this master and this hard person that you have to do this and you have to do that or he doesn't really care about me because he just cares that I follow these rules and it's just a list of do's and do nots and when is it gonna be enough like I am I feel like I can never be good enough to obtain salvation and all of these doubts enter into their mind and let me tell you something that is nothing but the devil trying to get you to fall into his traps the very first lie that he ever told when he was first falling in heaven to the angels he said to them that God's rules were too hard to follow. That God didn't know what he was doing basically and that God didn't love them enough. So. We have to be very careful with this because these lies and these deceptions that Satan has been telling for thousands of years is very easy to succumb to and to listen, especially when you have all of these other people filling your head with doubts. And that is why we have to also choose our friends wisely, those who love you enough to encourage you enough to be there for you and to accept you with all of your weirdness, with all of your character qualities and also enough to tell you like hey how you handle this or what I see in you about this that's not really good maybe you should change and I mean we have to say it in a, the right way like I was saying before but that is what a true friend does that is what we need to do and that's what Jesus does for us he tells us these things he says we must also do that for one another and to show one another and David and Jonathan had this type of friendship David said a Jonathan that his friendship was greater than the love of a woman now that doesn't mean unlike many people think that they were in a relationship as like two men loving each other there's no gayness going on here no they loved each other like true friends they called each other brothers they were so close even though they were not blood related they just had this deep care for one another and it says in patriarchs and prophets 695.3 that the name Saul was linked with that of Jonathan, whose friendship had been so true and so unselfish. So Jonathan's friendship was so true and so unselfish that even when his father Saul was trying to kill David and get him destroyed, Jonathan did not betray David. He helped David to escape and helped him on his way so that he could go out, even though it pained Jonathan that David had to go away because they were so close. He wanted David to stay with him, but he sacrificed so much for David because that is what a true friend does the true friend helps a friend especially when they know that they're needing help and when they are in a place where they could use that companionship and that love and in 2 Samuel 1 19 through 27 David talks about all of the different things between Saul and Jonathan but especially he talks about Jonathan as a brother and how he was very pleasant unto him and how his love for him was so wonderful and how how it hurt him so much when Jonathan died he cried and wept and mourned and later on he helped Jonathan's son so their friendship was like no other and that is the kind of friendship that I would love to have with somebody that is rare to find somebody who you're willing to do whatever for them to sacrifice to tell them that hey I love you I care about you tell me your woes tell me your troubles tell me your sorrows and I I will help you. I will lead you and guide you. And I will be there for you and pray with you and help you. And you don't have to go through this alone. That is the kind of friendship that we have with Jesus. He tells us these things. He says, come unto me and I will carry your burden. I will be there for you. And now I want to read some spirit of prophecy quotes. In FLB 234.8, it says, The warmth of true friendship, the love that binds heart to heart, is a foretaste of the joys of heaven so when we find something like that down here on this earth we get a taste of what heaven will be like and that is something that is so amazing and so exciting to me when we see that love and that care that we have one for another and how we are there for one another we get a taste of what heaven will be like because everybody there will love one another so if you are having troubles with people if you are not getting along with people and if you have all of these character qualities that you can't stand people well that's not going to be in heaven because in heaven you're going to have people who care for people and people who are able to forgive and to move on and people who care about one another and so on and so forth also in pam 269.3 my brethren are well aware that the word of god presents the matter of church unity as a principle those who are united to christ by the truth of heavenly origin should have strong friendship for one another if the branches of the vine are united to the parent stock, the same life dwells in them all. In Christ Jesus there is love, and those who are united to Christ will not have merely a tame, common regard as acquaintances, but true, sincere love for one another, because they are endued with the Spirit of Christ. This drawing off from one another is not Christ-like, but it is after Satan's order that is very solemn indeed. We must not have all of this hatred one toward another. And I see it in the churches, unfortunately. I see it everywhere you go. People just treating one another in a wrong way, sticking their noses up in the air like they're better than other people or judging them because of how they act or talk or dress or whatever it might be. We have to love them, okay? We have to be there for them because Christ loves them. They're his children. He purchased them with his blood. He died for them. There is a right way to tell them that they are in error and there's a wrong way. We have to be so careful in how we deal with others because we are Christ's representatives, each and every one of us. We have to portray that to everyone we come across with. We have to love them no matter what they do to us, no matter how they treat us, whether it's friends, whether it's family, whether they betray you I mean look at Joseph he was betrayed by his own brothers who sold him into slavery and yet he forgave them for all that they did for him and he helped them that is the kind of love that we have to have that is the kind of love that we should strive for and that in and of itself is something that to many of us just blows our mind away because we can't comprehend loving like this acting like this toward our fellow man but we need to get to this point we need to be at this point. And Christ can help us. We have to pray for that love, pray for that affection in one another. And now I want to read in Youth Instructor July 19th, 1894, paragraph 1 through paragraph 12. This is a wonderful, wonderful little section in this book about the greatest friendship of all that we can have. And this is a friendship that will never fail us, will never let us down, and he will be with us no matter what. He will never stab us in the back. He will never talk behind our back. He will never, ever leave us alone because he loved us enough to lay down his life for us and to save us from all of our sins. She says this, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast holden me by my right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire besides thee. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. We are living in an age of peril when ungodliness is common. Even professed Christians do not believe their Bibles. The truth of the word of God is too plain and pointed for them. And they say to their teachers, prophesy not unto us right things. Speak unto us smooth things. Prophesy deceits. Get ye out of the way. Turn aside out of the gate. Call the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. They do not wish to retain the thoughts of God in their knowledge. We are now at the ebb tide of faith in the world. Anti-Christian ideas, customs, and practices prevail and they are even construed to be Christian. But that is which is of most value, that which God esteems most highly is treated with contempt. Well may the God-fearing inquire, what shall the end of these things be? Love for Christ and love for one another is fast dying out of the hearts of men. It is such a sorry state that we are in that because this is true and I have seen this time and time again and that's why many people are turned off of Christianity because they don't see Christ in us which is very sad. They don't see that love for us and that doesn't mean we lower our standards to make them see the love of Christ. No, we have to keep the standard high and we have to show them love despite of it. Not everyone is going to follow. Not everyone is going to want to accept Christ. Narrow is the way, and few there be that find it, the Bible says. So, she continues. It is true that there are some steadfast souls like Abraham, David, and Daniel who can say, I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Amid the perplexities that will press upon the soul, there is only one who can help us out of all our difficulties and relieve all our disquietude. We are to cast all our care upon. On Jesus and bear in mind that he is present and is directing us to commune with him. We are to keep our minds upon God, And in our weakness, He will be our strength. In our ignorance, He will be our wisdom. In our frailty, He will be our enduring might. We may be assured that we need not go into the heavens to bring Jesus down to us, neither into the deep to bring Him up. For He is at our right hand, and His eye is ever upon us. We should ever seek to realize that the Lord is very near us, to be our counselor and guide. This is the only way in which we may have confidence confidence toward God. If we ever keep the Lord before us, we can have that confidence. We can have that victory over sin. This is the lesson that we have to take away from this. We must always go to the Lord. We must always pray and cling to him. We must always go to him for counsel and guidance because he is the one who can keep us out of sin. He is the one who stays with us through stormy weather. He is the one who loves us. It says this we need to educate and train the mind so that we shall have an intelligent faith and have an understanding friendship with Jesus unless we continually cherish friendship with between God and our souls we shall separate from him and walk apart from him we shall make friends of those around us and place our trust in humanity and our affections will be diverted from the true object of worship we must not allow coldness to chill our love for our Redeemer if we have fellowship with him we must ever set the Lord before us and treat him as an honored friend giving him the first place in our affections we should speak of his matchless charms and constantly cultivate the desire to have a better knowledge of Jesus Christ then his spirit will have a controlling power upon life and character but how often is the Lord neglected for the society of others and for things of no value you know we take time out of our day to go and spend time with our friends and talk to them and we want to talk to them and we want to hear all about them and about their day and we want to speak with them as much as possible. But how excited are we to do the same things with the Lord? How excited are we to go and pray and tell Him about our day and to tell Him all of the trials and tribulations and tell Him everything that is on our heart and to ask Him for guidance and things when we don't know what to do. We don't think of these things. We become complacent with the Lord. We just pray because it's a formality. And sometimes our prayer become stagnant and we just repeat the same things over and over again. We don't really feel that Jesus is our friend, that he's down here with us in our hearts, living in us through the Holy Spirit, leading and guiding and directing us to a better way of life. We have to pray like he's our friend. We have to go to him and talk to him because he loves us. He wants us to talk to him in this type of way. He wants to hear about our day even though he knows it, even though he sees everything. We still need to tell him about these things we need to treat him like he is our personal loving savior because that is what he is and that is what he wants for us to have that Heart to heart connection with him. He's longing for us to do that. She says this Jesus says, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. The water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up unto everlasting life. Never let amusements or the companionship of others come between you and Jesus, your best friend. Set the Lord always before you. When natural inclination draws you in the direction of fulfilling some selfish desire, set the Lord before you as your counselor and ask, Will this please Jesus? Will this increase my love for my best friend? Will this course grieve my dear savior? Will it separate me from his company? Will Jesus accompany me to the pleasure party where all will be lightness and gaiety, where there will be nothing of a religious nature, nothing serious, no thought of the things of God? If Jesus sends me there as a missionary to warn some soul of his danger, then I am sure Jesus will not separate from me. But if I go simply to to please myself, I cannot be sure of my Savior's presence. If I choose to go where Jesus cannot enter, where he cannot make his abode, where the hearts of those presents are saying, cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us, I choose another counselor than Jesus. That is very solemn indeed. And these are good questions that we need to ask ourselves, no matter what the occasion is. We have to ask these things. And now this isn't to say that we can't have a good time and that we can't hang out with our friends. We, Can we just have to be able to say that this activity or whatever it is that I'm doing is okay? That Jesus would be with me while I'm doing this activity, that I'm not going to be grieving Him while I'm doing this. And we have to be honest with ourselves sometimes that means saying no to certain things, that means saying, Hey, I'm not going to go into that establishment, I'm not going to do this certain thing, I'm not going to talk in this certain way because that would grieve my friend. I don't want to upset my friend, I don't want to. To have my friends stay behind? Would we leave our friends behind if it was something that they didn't like or want to do? No, we would counsel with them and say, hey, what is it that you like to do? What is it that you want to do? We should have that same thoughts even more so with Jesus because he is the one that we need to please the most and we need to have these thoughts in our minds and quit acting out in what we want and what we think and what we feel just because because we want to do something it doesn't mean it's the right thing that we should be doing and we all make these mistakes we all have done this but we can learn from our mistakes we should learn from our mistakes because we want the Holy One of Israel to be in us and to be always with us there should never be a time when we don't want Jesus to be with us and to not be in our conversation and to not be in our group activities or our things that we do with our friends if we are doing something that displeases Jesus then we shouldn't be doing it. Simple as that. And if your friends don't understand that, well, then you might have to tell them you can't go and do a certain thing that they want to do because you have to please Jesus first and not man. She continues, the great aim and purpose of this life is to form characters so that we shall be accounted worthy of eternal life. We shall act as rational beings and make religion a practical matter. We need to keep our Savior ever before us and educate ourselves in such a way that our Desires shall continually flow out toward him, that we shall meditate upon his promises and address him in confiding faith. Before you engage in any important work, remember that Jesus is your counselor, and that it is your privilege to cast all your care upon him, for he invites you to do so, and is at your right hand that you shall not be moved. Each day be determined that you will keep nigh to God, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. Do not neglect. And slight Jesus, for this you would not do to any of your cherished friends. Do not keep Jesus in the background and never mention his name. Never call the attention of your friends to him who is at your side to be your counselor. Would not your friends look upon you as disrespectful were they at your side and you never spoke to them or of them? A son honoreth his father and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is mine honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear? saith the Lord. Host. Many complain that Jesus seems a long way off. Who has placed him a long way off? Has it not been your own course of action that has separated you from Jesus? He has not forsaken you, but you have forsaken him for other lovers. But the Lord says, return ye backsliding children, and I will heal your backslidings. Behold, we come unto thee, for thou art the Lord our God. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon we were just touching on some of these things we have to act in a way that is respectful we cannot forget Jesus we would not slight our friends so we how much more should we not slight Jesus and we should not be complaining that Jesus is a long way off we are the ones who make him a long way off we are the ones by our course of actions to set him far away from us that he appears Appears to not care about us that he appears to not be on our level or understand our troubles or whatever it is that we tell ourselves we have to stop thinking this way because all of those thoughts are nothing but the devil trying to get us down we have to actively pursue good right thoughts we have to actively make better choices we have to always keep in the forefront Jesus we have to seek him while he may be found because soon very soon it'll be too late to do that We must go and to the Savior today and ask him to forgive us of all of our sins and ask him if there is any sin in us that we have not confessed and to make right if necessary. And also we have to ask him to help us in the future to do better, to be better people, to love him and to love others as we should. She says this, pray in faith and trust your Savior. Make every effort necessary to keep the channel of communication open between Christ and your soul. Seek every opportunity to be present where prayer is want to be made rather than to go to places where the tendency is of a character to make you forget God. We want Bible religion, practical godliness, free from all pretension and sophistry. Unless you maintain Bible religion, you will find yourself separated from Jesus Christ. By unbelief and carelessness, you break up your tender fellowship with Jesus. Why trifle so much with your heavenly friend? Why feel at liberty to serve God at will? and to neglect his worship at pleasure. It is when you wander from his side and are charmed with the voice of the seducer and fasten your affections upon some trifling thing that you are in danger of losing your peace and trust and confidence in God. Then it is that you seem to have lost your wisdom as to how to find Jesus. Then it is that Satan presents to you the thought that Jesus has forsaken you. But is it not that you have forsaken Jesus? Satan will seek still more to alienate your mind from your best friend by his lying devices for he wants you to deny Christ exactly what I was just saying (laughs) Satan wants nothing more than for us to deny Christ and he will slowly but surely wiggle his way in if we allow him to so that we have forsaken Christ not Christ has never forsaken will never forsake us it is us who forsake him we need to be very careful and work with our best friend Jesus so that this does not happen you have forsaken in the fountain of living waters and have hewed you out broken cisterns that can hold no water. We dare not let his name languish on our lips and his love and memory die out of our hearts. Well, says the cold former professor, this is making Christ too much like a human being. But the word of God warns us to have these very ideas. It is the want of these practical, definite views of Christ that hinders so many from having a genuine experience in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus. Jesus Christ. This is the reason that many are fearing and doubting and mourning. Their ideas of Christ and the plan of salvation are vague and dreary and confused. If they had, like David, set the Lord ever before them, keeping him at their right hand that they should not be moved, their feet would be upon solid rock. Behold Jesus crucified for you. Behold him grieved with your sins. And when you pray, repent, and earnestly desire to see him as your sin-pardoning redeemer, ready to bless you and to hear your acknowledgement of him, keep close to his side for you need his presence with you. She says in another place that we should spend a thoughtful hour on the life of Christ, particularly with his death and resurrection. Because these things will draw us closer to the Savior. Every single day we should spend a thoughtful hour contemplating these this wonderful Redeemer who gave his life for us our wonderful best friend who was willing to give up all for us because he loves us and wants us to be with him we cannot even begin to fathom that kind of love we can talk about it and think about it but it says that we will always be learning more and more and more how deep his love is for us deeper than the deepest oceans <laughs> that is unbelievable because we don't even know how deep the ocean can get in some spots it is always mysterious always going on about the different mysteries about the ocean we only know like one fifth of the mysteries of the ocean and that is just crazy to think that with as much knowledge and technology as we have that we only know so little bit so even with all of that How much more is it to, would be for our human brains to contemplate the idea of how much Christ loves us? It is something that we will have an eternity and still be learning new things about it, which is so amazing. She continues, "Wickedness prevails on every hand, for Satan has come down having great wrath, knowing that he hath but a short time. He is a preserving, diligent, untiring worker, and if ever there was a time when men Needed the presence of Christ at their right hand. It is now, so that when the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. We need the captain of our salvation continually by our side. There is and will continue to be agitation all around us. For the kingdoms of the world will not be at rest. Never was there a time when the temptation to deny Christ in spirit and in deportment was stronger. And this temptation will increase in power as we near the end strong and overpowering temptations will come upon men false doctrines and fables will be presented as bible truth for men's acceptance and if it were possible they will deceive the very elect but is it a time for our love to grow cold when iniquity abounds? is this a time to be at ease is this the time to separate from god our counselor and i would answer all of these things no (laughs) a resounding no because now is the time now more than ever ever before in this world's history is our love to be hot as a fire, hotter than the fire. Because we need him close to us if we are ever going to be strong enough, and not on our own power. We will never be strong enough on our own to overcome temptations. No, we must have Christ's strength in us so that we can overpower the temptations with working together with him and letting him take the wheel and letting him be in charge of our lives. And it is a hard thing for us to do because we like to be in charge. But we see the results of what happens when we're in charge of our lives. Everything goes chaotic. (laughs) We need to put our lives and our trust in the one who actually can see us through the storm and reach us to a better land on the other side of the chaos that is going on around us right now. She says this, the end of all things is at hand. The day of God is hastening on apace. The world is full of crime and anguish and sorrow. There are calamities by land and by sea. Storm and tempest make it unsafe for us to be separated from God for one single moment. Only those who live by by faith in this probationary life, will be able to stand in the day of test. When everything that can be shaken will be shaken, but they shall dwell in safety and be unmoved. The children of God must place themselves trustingly and quietly in the hands of God, and commit the keeping of their souls unto Him as unto a faithful Creator. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. In the days of Noah the wickedness of men reach unto heaven, and God sent Noah with a warning, that he would destroy the world with a flood of water. But they had so long given themselves up to selfish and demoralizing practices, glorifying themselves, that they had put God and his claims and his honor out of sight and mind. They lived without God and without hope in the world. They mocked at Noah's message, but their unbelief did not prevent him from proclaiming God's words to them. They cared for none of these things, but their indifference and unbelief did not hinder the event that had been foretold. The rain descended in Flood and swept the earth clean of the moral pollution. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. We are coming upon a time that is very solemn indeed, and we must get ready. And we can be ready because we have no greater friend than Jesus with us, leading us, guiding us, directing us to be better, to do better. And He wants to help us. He's pleading with us to come to Him, to lay our burdens out of Him, to cast all of our cares to Him so that we can go to Him with all of our troubles and all of our doubts. There is no other greater friend than Jesus. Other people will hurt you. Other people will betray you. Other people can let you down and disappoint you. But the one person who will never ever disappoint us is Jesus. He has guaranteed His love by dying on the cross. He showed us time and time again how much He loves us. And we must show that love in return. And now I want to sing this song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus.
1: All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry. And to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations trouble anyway. shield thee the
0: a friend we have in Jesus indeed we can lay all of our griefs and sins to him and we don't have to be troubled we can take it to the Lord in prayer we can never find a friend who is so faithful and I want to encourage you to lay all of your burdens to go to him to treat him and trust in him and know that he is truly your best friend the truest friend that you will ever have and he loves you and cares about you and he wants us to tell people about him to show them the friend that they never had to show them the love that they have never had had before that but that they can have and we need to know this and share this with the rest of the world we are commissioned to do that remember it says in matthew 5:16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father which is in heaven so with all of this being said let your light so shine so that you are star witness for the lord